Some of you may have heard from other parishes that the Cardinal is uh, restoring the practice of Holy Communion under both species. Uh, so that means that starting today, we will be offering for those who wish to receive from the cup. Now notice I said for those who wish, because church teaching is that whether you receive just from the cup or just the consecrated bread, uh, even if you don't receive from the other species, you receive the fullness of Jesus. So this is not for anyone else except for the ones who wish to come to communion under the cup. Uh, I, today I'm going to be talking about the Eucharist. Uh, you know, lest, uh, lest you um, be confused, um, the official guidelines for what a homily should be about a state that a priest should preach on either the readings of the Sunday, any part of the Mass, or the specific prayers of any specific Mass. That all of those are fair game, shall we say, for um, content of the homily. So today I would like to spend some time with you because it has been, this has been in the news so far several times. And that what's been in the news is that I think I'm getting the percentages right, that about 60% of Catholics do not believe that the reception of the consecrated bread and the consecrated wine is actually the presence of Jesus. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And so the bishops of the United States have really asked that we spend time talking about the presence of Christ in the Eucharist is, well, it's, it's a lot deeper than I think a lot of Catholics, at least the 60%, seem to understand. So I'm going to be spending the rest of the homily talking to you about the Eucharist itself. And I have to tell you that uh, I find the speaking on the Eucharist overwhelming. Overwhelming because um, it is a mystery that I have spent my entire life studying and pondering and, um, you know, it's, in, it's, it's an interesting thing that I learned in, in theology when I was in graduate school. Uh, of course, we, we're familiar with the word mystery in Catholic uh, when we talk about the Trinity being a mystery and other things being a mystery. But we sometimes forget what the word mystery means because in secular language, the word mystery actually is synonymous with the word problem. 
So, for example, if I tell you that I am reading a mystery novel, a mystery novel is really a problem novel. Because the moment you find out who did the crime or who did it, you solved the mystery. And it's actually then a problem that you need to solve. But we're using the word mystery. In theology, when we use the word mystery, the word does not mean something that can be solved. It cannot be solved. I had a professor one time that when the students would say, oh, you mean it's incomprehensible. And the professor say, well, well, actually, that's not right. He said this, and I've never forgotten it. He said, a mystery is infinite comprehensibility. Now, just take those two terms, put them together in your head. Infinite comprehensibility. The more you understand, the more you understand that there's more to understand. The more you understand, the more you understand that there's more to understand. It's infinitely comprehensible. Now, having said that, why that, is that important? Because when we approach something that is incomprehensible, we always say, well, then why even start? Why even start trying to understand it? It's incomprehensible. No, that's not what God wants. God wants us, he gave us reason. He gave us mind. He gave us imagination to help us. He gave us all kinds of ways of knowing. And we have to use those ways of knowing even though we may not understand totally. Let me give you an example. Mystery. You live so close to a mystery that most of the time you don't even understand that it's a mystery. But it is. You know what that mystery would be? People would say, well, it's God, right? No, no, no. It's you. Tell me, who of you could ever say that you know yourself 100%? Who of you could ever say, there is nothing new that I could ever know about myself? Nobody can. Why? Because since you're created in the image and likeness of God, you are created as a living, breathing mystery to yourself. You are constantly aware that you are infinitely comprehensible. Because the more you understand about yourself, the more you understand that there's more to understand. And that's how you are the image of God. Because you're an infinitely comprehensible person. And it's interesting because that's when you're in relationship with another human being, 
you will never be able to understand another because they are also mystery in the image and likeness of God. So, allow me to present to you just a little bit of the understanding, and I'm not even going to try to explain it all, because I can't, about this thing we call the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to begin with something absurd, and then I'm going to go right into Catholic teaching. Because I want you to understand the way that human beings wrestle with this. About 10 years ago, I happened to go as a visitor to a Protestant church. It shall remain nameless. And after the pastor of the Protestant church, who was very nice, a very cordial human being, after the pastor took me through the showing me the church, as we were walking out, I happened to notice a very large bowl in the, on a table in the vestibule as you were coming into the church in that what we call the narthex. And this very large bowl, which must have been that circumference, well, that diameter, excuse me, not circumference, that diameter, was filled with what looked like little pods of creamers. Have you ever seen these? When you go to the restaurant and you ask for cream for your coffee, sometimes they bring you these little pods and you peel them and you pour the cream in. Well, these were that. But they were kind of transparent. And what I could... As I approached and I said, what is this? And he was very quite proud of it. He says, oh, Father, this is portable communion. And, of course, the Catholic inside of me went, oh! But the gentleman on the outside of me went, oh. <laughs> and as I approached, he said, take one. So I picked it up. And sure enough, it was transparent. It wasn't white. It was transparent. It was kind of like a clear plastic. And I could see in this little thing that it was had liquid inside. And I said, so, so what do you do with this? And he said, well, you can grab a bunch of them and take them with you. And if, like if you're on the golf course, and you want to stop a minute and celebrate communion with your golfing buddies, you can stop right there and celebrate communion. Have the, have the Eucharist there. They didn't call it Eucharist. They called it the Lord's Supper. And then I said, oh, can I open one? He said, sure. So sure enough, I peeled the little top off, and inside there was a clear film, and on top of the clear film there was a little tiny piece of square bread or un, un, uh, unleavened bread. It was just a little piece. And so he said, now you take that and you eat it. I said, okay. So I ate it. And then you peel a little bit more of the film. And then he says, now you drink the grape juice. 
And so I drank the grape juice. See, that's portable communion. And of course, the nice man in me said, nice, nice, very nice. <laughs> Inside, I was screaming, okay? Because who we are as Catholics are the exact opposite of that. The exact opposite of that. Now, instead of trying to explain this to you, I'm going to let Jesus do it. I'm going to let Jesus do his own explaining because I think he does a heck of a lot better job than me. And so I'm going to read about four paragraphs. And let me tell you, these are paragraphs in the Gospel of John. Let me tell you something. As a priest, and I've been a priest for 45 years, and as a priest, every time I have to read this from the gospel, my stomach tightens because the words that come out are so hard, so hard to hear. Maybe you, maybe you won't find them hard, but I find them hard because I listen to them and I listen and I think Jesus made them sound hard. I don't think he was fooling around. Now, I'm going to read it slowly and I want this to sink into you and try not to hear it Try not to hear it um, as if, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you, you, there's an old saying. The old saying goes, familiarity breeds contempt. Do you know what the word contempt means? I'm, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole very much, but do you know what contempt means? I always thought contempt was, you know, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's expressing contempt. That's not contempt. Contempt, when you look it up in the dictionary, means not giving the circumstances where you're at the adequate gravity, the adequate weight that they are supposed to have. So, for example, if you are in a courtroom and you are behaving even quiet, you're smiling or you're falling asleep or something like that, or whispering, the judge can hold you in contempt of court. It means in my courtroom, you will behave with the dignity that this courtroom requires. And if you don't, he can put you in jail. So I'm asking you to be careful of familiarity breeds contempt. Because you may have heard these and say, oh yeah, Father, I heard that all the time since I was a little kid. Well, try to listen with a brand new ear and listen to Jesus. Imagine what the people who were hearing him for the very first time were, li were hearing. Listen to this. Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 48. 
I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. They died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone who eats it may not die. I am the living bread. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews who were listening to him disputed among themselves. And they started saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood, abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. Whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like your ancestors who ate and died, but the one who eats of this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said, does this offend you? Then what if I were to tell you that you will see the Son of Man ascending? to where he was before. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer would follow him. So Jesus turned to the twelve and he said to them, Do you also wish to leave me?
And Simon Peter said, Lord, where are we supposed to go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, I don't know about you, but those words are absolutely shocking. They're absolutely shocking. But I think they're supposed to be that way. It's interesting because you notice You notice that Jesus, when people started leaving him, because when he said, who can accept this? Who can, who can, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And people started leaving him. And at that very moment, people could have, Jesus, Jesus could have said, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're misunderstanding me. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean you're supposed to eat me. I, I, it's a symbol. It's, it's only a, a sign. Come back. Notice he doesn't do that. He lets them go. Not only does he let them go, he turns to his disciples, the 12, and he doesn't back down. He says, do you also want to go? This is not a man. This is a man who knows exactly what he just said. And he knows everybody's shocked. Everybody finds it hard to believe. And he's, he's letting it stand. And he's giving his disciples the chance to walk away. You have that chance, too. He's basically saying to you what I just, that's why I decided to just read you what, what he said. And he turns to you now. I don't know who of you are, maybe, maybe none of you, maybe all of you, or I don't know. I have no idea. Who are we? Who are part of the 60% that doesn't believe Unless you eat me, you have no life in you. He's telling you now, do you want to leave? Because a good number of his own disciples left. His apostles evidently didn't. But their minds were just blown away because they didn't understand. And neither do we. I, how do I come to terms with it? Because I told you this is not incomprehensible. This is infinitely comprehensible. I, I, you know, and I'll just give you just a little quick reflection on how I deal with it. Whenever I stand up here and I celebrate Mass, and I take this little piece of bread, <laughs> <clears throat> and I hold it up and I say Jesus' words and I'm very aware 
that when I'm speaking, I, it's not me. When I hold the bread up and I say, this is my body, <clears throat> it ain't me talking. It's God, it's Jesus himself speaking through my voice. And at the moment that I'm holding this piece of bread and I look at you and I say, this is my body, I then focus on this piece of bread that I have in my hand. And I'm so aware that something has happened in my hand that that is the very presence of the body, the fullness of Jesus. And I say, how can that be? It looks like bread. When I bite it, it tastes like bread. It can be because he's God. And in the same way that he made me inhabit this little bundle of flesh here, which used to be a lot prettier than it is now, If I can be contained in this bundle of flesh and bone, what makes me think that he can't make himself fully present in this piece of bread? What makes me think of the limitations that I put on him because of the poverty of my own imagination? I cannot imagine. Sometimes I'll be walking around... I like to pray when I walk sometimes. And I look up and I, I go, so there's supposed to be a new heaven and a new earth? How can you do that? And then I remember, oh yeah, you did it once. <laughs> it's called the universe. And you can do whatever your dad burn well, please. And boy, am I banking on that. And so when you take this bread and you say, this is my body, uh, unless you eat of me, you have no life in you. Oh, okay. I believe it. It is him. And then I'll take the cup. And I'll say, this is the cup of my blood. And all of a sudden, this silver cup in my hand is holding something beyond my comprehension. The very blood of Jesus. And I offer it to you. Do you want to leave too? Or do we stay with Peter and say, we don't understand. But we have come to believe that you are the son of the living God. And you can do whatever you darn well please. <laughs> Didn't say that, Peter, but I would have added it. <laughs> and so my friends... We partake of this, and it's interesting, just a final add-on, and then I'll shut up. John, in the Gospel today, says, and points to Jesus, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why did John call him the Lamb of God? Well, because... Every Jew would have known what he was referring to. He was referring to the lamb. Remember when Israel was about to leave from Egypt? 
And God says, take a lamb and kill it and roast it and take the blood of the lamb and put it on your doorposts. And that will, the angel of death will bypass you. And then you have to stand and you eat the flesh of the lamb. You consume it. Jesus is being told, we are being told that in the same way that those men and women in the ancient world being slaves to, 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 um, to, uh, to uh, the Egyptians, in the same way they had to take the blood and put it over their doorposts and eat the flesh of that lamb. What Jesus is doing, he is saying, I am now the Lamb of God. Only this time, I'm asking you to put the blood on the doorpost of your head, your mouth, and to eat of the flesh of the Lamb of God. Do we believe that that's, you know, we were accused for a long time in the ancient Roman world of being cannibals. It's not what the church means. What Jesus meant is, unless you, and he said it perfectly, unless you eat of me, unless you eat me, what are we consuming? We're not cannibals. We're consuming the very presence of Jesus. It's not a symbol. It's not a sign. It's the very presence. The very soul, personhood, flesh, and blood of Jesus. And so, my friends, I will leave you there with a mystery. I will leave you, hopefully, with a little bit better understanding, but with the understanding that the more you understand, the more you understand that there's more to understand. That's what we call the Eucharist.